Bailey Kurt is on a mission. In addition to training African church planters and starting schools with her husband, Stephen, through the ministry of Involved International, Bailey uses slow fashion and sustainable materials to leverage the crafting abilities of local artisans, helping to make their products attractive and available to Western buyers. Thanks for joining us as we talk about breaking the shackles and cycles of poverty. Welcome to our podcast. I'm Rick Shields, your host and the director of the Doorways Leadership and Influence Network. My friend and co-host, Mike Atkinson, is with us on this episode, too. I'd like to remind you, Mike, that a podcast about leadership and influence was your idea. I had no idea how to go about putting one together, but you helped to encourage me along the way. We've now been dropping episodes for over a year, nearly 1,850 downloads in 17 countries and 200 cities. Mike, are we aligning with what you envisioned with your idea of these podcasts? I truly believe that it's getting there, and we've seen success. Along the way, you know, your your insight and, and belief at the beginning was, hey, we're not great at the beginning, but we're going to work on getting better. You know, something I'm doing right now, we order transcripts of each of the podcasts. And recently, I've been going back through each of them, pulling out highlights that some of the speakers had to say, some great points, and accumulating those so that uh, we'll have a chance perhaps somehow to share that in the future. So really, thank you, Mike, for helping us to to do this because it's it's been a good thing. You're welcome. We're pleased to have Bailey Kurt joining us today. Bailey and her husband, Stephen Kurt, are the founders and directors of Involved International with a focus on church planting in Africa. If you want to have a healthy church, it's important to begin with a healthy church planter, and that's an important part of their ministry. Another important aspect of their ministry was developed by Bailey in order to empower artisan women to break the shackles and the cycles of poverty. Thank you, Bailey, for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be with you both. I'm excited to be here. I'm so glad that you're here. Can you give us a little bit of just an overview of what God placed upon your heart and how things have started and how they're going? Definitely. I, you know, I've always had a heart for design and always been very creative, kind of had an entrepreneurial, started a little business out of my desk in first grade that promptly got shut down because it broke school rules. But <laughs> <laughs> but I think I've always had that in me and I didn't mean to start QBB. I always tell people that I was making Christmas gifts for my mom and my sister-in-law and took some different handicrafts in Africa, asked them to blend some materials together. And then I ended up keeping the purse that I created for my mom. <laughs> and so on Christmas morning, she was a little disappointed that my sister-in-law got this beautiful bag and I had a beautiful bag and she was missing out. And I promised her, I'll get you another one later. And literally in the span of a couple of weeks, I had so many women stopping me in public places asking, where'd you get this bag? And I just laughed it off initially saying, oh, in Kenya, you know, you can't get it here. And then lo and behold, I've created a monster now of this whole design company that that we can't really put back in the closet. So mm. it's there. And you've just helped us because Mike and I had this discussion before you joined us about how we pronounce this. I was convinced okay. it was Kibby. And now I see you've written it's Kibibi. Yeah. So or, it's it's like a key that you would turn and then the letter B. So key B B is the Swahili word. 
Mm-hmm. It's a Swahili word. It, it's an endearing way to call a little girl. It's the closest that we would have to calling a little girl a princess, basically. Man, am I glad we have you explaining this to us because <laughs> we would have had something totally different going on. That's for sure. So tell us, Bailey, what's the ultimate goal of Kibibi Designs? Well, I think there's a dual purpose. And so my my customers, they know the side of we empower our artisans. We give them fair trade value for their work. We reinvest the proceeds back into projects that we're working with women and kids. So elementary schools, some different women, we have women's rehabilitation and then also microfinancing. Our customers are very well aware of that, but sometimes they don't, they don't know that I'm actually discipling them in ways to have like ethical standards for their fashion. You know, I believe most women carry purses or have jewelry. They have accessories. They decorate around their homes. So why not help teach them a way to use those things that are actually changing people's lives instead of just making one particular CEO somewhere a wealthy person. Well, I love the intentionality of the entire aspect of it. So covering it from the product to the design to the marketing to, but also just the empowerment and the education that occurs throughout the entire process. What have you found to be the most fulfilling part of this? I think knowing that you're creating jobs for people, you're creating opportunities for them to advance one testimony in particular. I'm wearing, I know that the, the listeners can't see it, but I'm wearing some of our upcycled brass earrings. And those, those artisans originally started off, we found them in the largest slum in Nairobi, which happens to be the largest slum in Africa and the second largest slum in the world. And these artisans are incredibly talented and have this beautiful master gifts of, of creating beautiful things out of brass, but didn't have the opportunities to, you know, really, they were willing to work hard, pull themselves up by their bootstraps, but where do you sell? So now knowing that all these families are out of the slums and have created sustainable work outside of working for me, I think that's the most fulfilling thing Mm -hmm. is seeing our artisans succeed. Now you indicate that, or Stephen perhaps indicated, it's one thing to have these women making items, but then they might not really be attractive to a Western market. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, you know, Kenya, Tanzania in particular, the Swahili coast has a lot of beautiful handicrafts. They're tourism economies. You know, if you go there one time, you're you're going to find those handicrafts maybe really special. But for people who they didn't go on safari and they don't feel connected to maybe the Maasai community where there's a bunch of beadwork handicrafts that are more traditional style, they don't, they're not drawn to that, right? It doesn't bring them back to the memories of that vacation. If they go multiple times to that area, they want a different type of product that they're going to be able to use every day. And so what I found is taking the handicrafts that our artisans make, whether they're beadwork or basket weaving or wool, cotton weaving textiles, and just tweaking their ability to expand their designs, expand their creativity and doing it to things that I know are profitable in the Western market, things that are on trend here, things that people would be more apt to buy, not just out of a, out of a, oh, we're empowering somebody or, oh, or it's reminding me of my vacation, but that, hey, I will actually use this and I would buy this product even if it didn't have that story behind it. Let me take a moment, Bailey, to remind our listeners that feedback is important to us. If you have a suggestion for a guest or for a topic, please let us know. You can drop us an email at info at doorways.cc, and we'll work to incorporate that topic or that guest into our podcast schedule. We really do appreciate both your feedback and your input. My name is Rick Shields. My co-host, Mike Atkinson, and I are speaking with Bailey Kurt, 
who's developed a program to empower women in East Africa, helping them to break the shackles and cycles of poverty by leveraging their crafting abilities to make products attractive and available to Western buyers. Bailey, let's talk for a minute about sustainable fashion. I'm not a fashion guy. Give me a pair of black shoes, black socks, a dark shirt. That's about (laughs) as far as I go with fashion. But you think that sustainable fashion is important. Explain to us what that means. Definitely. Well, hey, that's just the Rick Shield special there, the all black. That is. (laughs) It's slimming. You make your own own fashion statement. Exactly. It never goes out of style. Well, sustainable fashion can can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. It can it can mean, you know, achieving different goals, a fair pay. That's something that a lot of people, I feel like in a Western market where we are paid, you know, fair wages, it's kind of lost on us sometimes that a lot of the world doesn't have that that um, opportunity. Then being environmentally friendly, being aware of like carbon neutral animal welfare. So specifically with me, I work on obviously the fair trade value for their work and sustainable materials. I I just mentioned the upcycled brass. So that's being reused and repurposed. We have sisal fibers that are basically like a spiky aloe plant that are just carbon neutral things to work with that make baskets, hand weaving those baskets. We use wool. So obviously, you know, sheep have to be sheared, not letting that go to waste and not causing harm to the animals. And then we also use leather that is a byproduct of the food industry. So none of our beautiful full grain leather is from harming animals. It's just a byproduct that was already going to be put to waste anywhere, put to use in some way. And so really for us, it's all about how do we not have fast fashion where we're overproducing stuff that's harming people, not empowering people, hurting the atmosphere, harming animals, but how do we create the slower rhythm, right? Handcrafted items that are giving sustainability in the long run, both to the local economies we're working with and giving the consumer a product that's going to last a long time. Since we're dealing with leadership and influence, and you kind of briefly touched upon it earlier in one of the questions and developing this collaboration with the artisans, knowing that where their gifts and, and talents lie and where maybe their, where their creative design is, but also having to have an understanding of the market and what's going to actually move inventory. So how do you handle that balance between those two? So you've got, you're dealing with highly creative individuals. And sometimes in our leadership, we deal with highly creative individuals and trying to mold that. It's awesome to have that talent and ability, but also to mold that and shape that. So as a leader, how do you interact in that process? You know, it's called slow fashion for a reason. And Mm -hmm. I think that it has required a lot of patience, both on my end and on my artisans. And honestly, uh, there, there have been things in production. I'm I'm wearing a bracelet again. I know the listeners can't see it, but this takes three of our artisans. It takes beadwork, leather, there's brass pieces and closures on here. This took two years to Mm -hmm. finally get an end product that I felt confident in being able to replicate and that we had the systems in place. We had trained all of the beaters and all of the leather and all of the brass pieces, not just the head point people that I'm working with. So when you begin with the concept and trying to execute that all the way through, this isn't a machine that you're plugging in, you know, measurements and it cuts Mm -hmm. and it sews and it throws out and people are just packaging and shipping. You're, you're starting with a basic concept, doing samples, working in and out, um, a challenge for me, obviously, is I'm not always on the ground in Africa. I'm not even when I am, I'm not always able to just spend weeks and weeks and weeks with them. So 
there's lots of, you know, communicating through WhatsApp and sending pictures and having other people check on the process and just really trying to challenge them. Like you're capable of doing this, you know, and, and being patient with them and giving them other projects that can move maybe a little faster that they're used to doing while we develop new designs that are more challenging to them. But it, it requires a lot of patience for sure. But that's, that's some of the beauty of slow fashion is, you know, in the end, you're getting a handcrafted, well thought out product. So Kabibi Designs, I'm assuming is growing. Do you have a growth track? Can you talk about that where you started and where you're at now? Yeah, you know, it's it's honestly been a little challenging through holding an international business that went through COVID and is still trying to rebound from that, as well as just all the challenges of our artisans living in a tourism economy. So yes, we are growing, but we are mostly holding steady and have been for probably the past four years. I used to do a lot more too on a personal level of selling person to person. And when I would do women's conferences or different speaking engagements that slowed down even on my side during COVID and then other things with our nonprofit and international travels have kind of taken my personal time of being able to sell and distribute, you know, my focus, but they're, they're doing great. I feel like I'm winning in the sense that if KBB is stabilizing and having a slow growth trajectory, but my artisans, are branching out in their own businesses and finding other streams and of, of revenue, that's a win for me because I personally don't have any of my artisans working exclusively for me. I wanted to be, I want to buy chunks of their time and I want to help them develop. And really during COVID, I did sustain them. All of my artisans basically were, I was their kind of only source of income. But it's been, it's really beautiful to see them growing. So yes, Kibibi is growing in its own way, but my artisans are growing and their own local businesses are growing in, in Kenya. And to me, that that's the biggest win. That's an incredible aspect of that. And so seeing the growth occur with your artisans and mm-hmm. being able to encourage that and for them to branch out. So how has that been for you dealing with those that we interact sure. with? And being able to encourage them on a regular basis, maybe not where they not see, maybe you can see farther, a little bit farther ahead than what they can see Yeah. and being able to encourage them. Do you have anything kind of advice that you would give to our uh, network people about being able to encourage those that they're working with? Yeah, I think, I think you, first of all, as the leader have to be faithful with what you have. You have to be faithful with what's in your hand. You have to be faithful with things that are in your heart and passions that are in your heart. And I think as you are exampling that, people are able to replicate that. And you can challenge them in it because you're saying, look, you know, I'm doing this. So I'm challenging you, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. it was really challenging through the early stages of COVID when literally the entire country was shut down for about eight months. How can you take your skills? Like, how can you start sewing masks? How can you start doing some of these other Mm -hmm. things that feel challenging to you to step out in? How can you go back to farmlands and, and, just be taking care of the land and living off the land until things happen. Okay. You, you lost your rent for your building, you know, where you had your, your sewing machines and all this stuff here. How do we, how do we shift plans? How can we have you all meet in a field? How can we get covering? And I don't know, helping them just troubleshoot things and being patient with them, but also encouragement. I think even in the mistakes, I mean, there've been, there've been people who've taken my designs and sold them under their own labels. There've been people who've cheated on things. You know, you're dealing with different situations, but I think obviously, like I said earlier, being patient, but also helping work through those trouble things, working, being patient with them and encouraging them, even when they're making mistakes, you know, when a product takes 
16 tries to get to a good standard. And then also when they do things that are unethical, like, you know, how do you keep giving grace to a certain extent? Right. But if they're repentant, if they're changing, if they're, if they're showing steps, they're moving in a right direction, how do you stay with them? And I think again, with sustainable fashion, that's something that's different, right? We want the person to become whole. We want them to be financially independent. We want them to be empowered. My goal, and I love it, is when my artisans move on, one of my brass people just moved on. Like they're not working with me at all anymore because they don't, they don't need my business. And that, that was the goal, you know, like I bless you, please. You know, like I have other people lined up to take your spot and now you're flourishing. And I think we have to be able to release people sometimes too, right? Help them identify like what is inside their heart, what their faith can be faithful with their hands. And ultimately, you know, it's kind of like raising kids. You, you want them to succeed. You want them to flourish beyond what you can do for them. And that's when I feel like it's a win is when they're succeeding, not just because they're working for me, but they're succeeding on their own. And hopefully they're taking some of those leadership practices with them when they go and helping others grow as well. So are, are the majority of the artisans you have with you with Kibibi design, are they Jesus followers or not? Yeah, most of them are, I would say they're fairly nominal Christians. You know, there's, there's been pretty healthy discipleship in Kenya on a lot of levels. And so they're engaged in those things. And I think that definitely has played into the integrity of my artisans and especially those who are leading the other groups, you know, so they may be the point person for baskets or for brass, for beadwork, et cetera. And they have teams underneath them that they're responsible for. And so, yeah, when issues have come up, it's made it a lot healthier to be able to interact mm-hmm. with them and make confrontations or make corrections, both on my end, if I need to apologize for something and for when they make mistakes. Bela, we just have a couple of minutes left, but we don't want to leave without giving our listeners an opportunity to learn how they can get a hold of some of these design products that you have. Do you have a website or do you have a, is there a shop somewhere locally? How does that work? Yeah. So we have a website that anyone listening in any greater area of the United States can purchase from, and it's KBB Design. So I will spell that out. It is K-I-B-I-B-I design.com. And then if you are local to the Tulsa, greater Tulsa area, we have a lot of our products in Mojo's Mercantile and Coffee Shop and Jinx. Any final thoughts you want to share with our listeners to encourage them in their journey of ministering or leading others? Yeah, I think you just have to be faithful to what's been put in your heart and stepping out. This was, again, not something I planned to do. I wasn't like, I'm going to start an international (laughs) fair trade design business. I'm going to go into sustainable fashion there were things that were already in my heart. And and as I listened to feedback of what people were saying around me, you know, where did you get that purse? Or I want, I want that. Can you bring me back baskets from Africa? It slowly started to piece those things together and it tied into my gifts of leadership. It tied into ministry things that I was doing. And I think sometimes we undervalue the parts that we play in the greater body of Christ, right? And to me, this isn't necessarily ministry, but it it is, and it funds things that we're doing in the ministry. And so I just want to encourage everyone who's listening that you have a very important role to play in the body of Christ. And so be faithful to keep taking those steps out, pay attention to the desires that are in your heart and to the things that people are saying to you, because it may seem like such a small thing or something that you would never think to step out in, but it may be exactly what God's leading you to do. 
Thanks for joining us. I hope you enjoyed our podcast and will follow us or subscribe so you can be notified when new podcasts are released. And please consider sharing it with a friend. Until next time, this is Rick Shields. And on behalf of the Doorways Leadership and Influence Network, here's my prayer for you. May you have rest when you need it, strength when you want it, and joy when you least expect it. Until next time, may the Lord bless you as you follow after him 